Welcome back to The Hash, the world's medical-grade cannabis podcast, now powered by Leafly.com. Use Leafly.com to order cannabis for dispensary pickup in select cities straight from your computer. I'm Max Savage-Levinson. Thanks for listening. No matter where you live in America, the marginalization of people based on their appearance, their age, their beliefs persists, and it distorts the way that we see and treat one another. Our guest this week has made it her mission to break down and dismantle the national dialogue around weight-based discrimination. My name is Virgie Tovar. I am the author of You Have the Right to Remain Fat. I lecture all over the country on issues of body image and weight-based discrimination, and I am a lover of ye olde cannabis. In this episode, we're going to learn about how the history of fat activism actually parallels the history of the cannabis industry, hear about some of Virgie's wild experiences with cannabis, and discover how it bridges her work and her identity. kind of an eccentric, weird personality. And so like for me, it, it gives me great joy to wear like a kitten dress and like neon lipstick. I need a donut on the corner. That just feels like really intuitive to me. It's funny, right? Because I'm like, I'm just being myself. Um, but right, like in our culture where somebody like me, like a fat brown woman is not allowed to have this kind of high visibility, high, like high saturation lifestyle. This is considered radical. This is considered rule breaking. My job as like a fat brown girl is to look sad and wear awful like frumpy clothes and to like just wish that I were someone else, that I was like a thin person or a white person or whatever. And when I kind of am like, no, I'm actually good. This is amazing. I'm living my like amazing, you know, donut lifestyle Um, that flies in the face of the rules and like the expectation that the culture has set out for me in terms of what I'm like the role I'm supposed to be playing in this culture. Virgie's bold personality doesn't exactly line up with her conservative upbringing. I grew up in a super conservative Pentecostal household, and it was like a completely no substance house. I didn't even get drunk till I was like 27. So I didn't have that like wild experimentation phase in like high school or college that a lot of people have. My like more experimental stuff actually showed up in sex, like more so than than substances. I was like definitely a horny kid. Um, so, so yeah, Pentecostals are not okay with that. But I was like, all right, if you're going to be a sinner, you got to pick one track. You can't be going all crazy. I didn't actually get high on anything until I was like 31. I think it was my 31st birthday and I was dating this like fireman. He like loved wearing my underwear and he was friends with all these crooked cops. I was like, for my birthday, can you get some like drugs from your friends? You know, kind of a thing. I'm a late to life weed user and my entree really was edibles. Like I never learned how to smoke and I was always freaked out about like having that first experience of, you know, coughing and then puking in the street. It's fine if that happens at 14. It's different when it's like you're 34. Gotta keep it cute, you know, with my date who's wearing my panties. Virgie has since become a regular consumer. Her first edibles experience was in Jamaica, a homemade weed cake. It was just like this fantastic experience where I was like in this beautiful environment and just so deep in my feelings and my body. Um, I don't know. I'd never experienced anything like it. And as someone who I have a lot of problems losing control, 
but this felt really good. And to be honest with you, it was like, I was just, it just made me super horny. Someone once told me that money is a magnifier. It doesn't change you. And I'm like, marijuana is the same. It just magnifies your natural self. Um, like it de-inhibits you, you know? These days, she's all about the dosest bliss vape pen. Nowadays, my boyfriend calls it the tampon. The idea that health should be evaluated holistically is a central tenet of her work. So for Virgie, cannabis can play a huge role in promoting good health. What weed does is it allows me to kind of like settle into my body. And as a fat person who has been taught to feel disembodied, it's this powerful experience, um, right? Like I've been encouraged to kind of disassociate from my body because I don't have a thin body. And I think that weed has allowed me to access, um, you know, the feeling like I'm in my body. But more than that, it's been able to help me access like my body's incredible capacity to do all kinds of things, to feel things, um, you know, to imagine things. And I think that, you know, again, like from the perspective of the work that I do, this is very reparative. This is very healing. And I think the the listener who is likely the cannabis enthusiast kind of, I think, is, is well situated to understand that there are various definitions of health. And health is a concept that is holistic in many cultures, not in ours. When we're talking about health, we're talking about something, for me, we're talking about spiritual, mental, and certainly physical as part of it. Um, but for me, I prioritize spiritual health. I do believe that all health emerges from um, a general sense that you are okay, that you are in an environment where you are allowed to thrive. When people in the United States talk about health, they are talking about a quantifiable concept that's based on performance. And I'm not saying that that's not important, right? Like, we need to know how our heart is doing. We need to know how our liver is doing. We need to know, right, like, if, we're, if we have an illness, those things are really important. Um, but to imagine that health can be entirely summarized by something that's on your chart is simply myopic. And when you're a fat person or another kind of marginalized person, what, what's happening to you is really um, that you're being pushed out of society. The culture isn't built for you. It might be harder to find an airplane seat. It might be harder to find a, a comfortable desk at school. It might be really difficult to find clothing for your job that makes you feel confident and comfortable. Um, and on top of that, right, like restaurants, like, you know, finding a seat in a restaurant, feeling comfortable eating in front of people. And then you add something like the stigma that people who date fat people face. Um, there's a lot of pressure to not even be around fat people as friends or as partners. And what this really holistically looks like is that you are being shut out of your society, which is extraordinarily painful and is very, very, very bad for spiritual health. And so for me, I'm like, you can't look at somebody and say, you know, your heart health isn't good enough because of what you're eating or how you're moving, which is kind of the current medical model. Meanwhile, you're sort of refusing to treat them like a full person because of their status, because of their body size. Virgie told me that the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance, which was founded in 1969, took a progressive approach to these issues, but has since been eclipsed by what she refers to as the body positivity movement, which, the more she talked about it, sounded a lot like the normalization of the cannabis industry. 
Fat activism at its core is about fighting for full humanity for all fat people, which we currently don't have in this culture that, you know, brazenly hates um, fat people and brazenly pathologizes fat people as like unhealthy and all these kinds of things. Um, And then body positivity's aim is a little bit um, more unclear. The movement is toward positivity. However, one of my big critiques of that is that positivity is not a political resource. Positivity is only useful if you already are granted full humanity if you already have kind of full access to society, which in truth, many people don't, including fat people. Body positivity really came out of fat activism as a way to create, um, quote unquote, accessibility. Um, I think what's difficult is there's sort of this shadow side to the concept of accessibility, Um, like, you know, making language and a movement feel more open and welcoming to more people is a positive thing. Um, What's difficult is that in that shift, oftentimes, people get left behind. And it's often the people who are at the periphery. And these are the very people who started the movement. And then everybody's on board and nobody remembers the decade or two decades or five decades of this certain group of people being reviled and fighting against it so hard, you know, and then all of a sudden it kind of becomes cool. I think there is kind of a uniquely American component to it because we as a culture are uniquely preoccupied with monetization. Virgie incorporates CBD into her workshops, including the upcoming Camp Thunder Thighs in Northern California. Yes, we're jiggling and we're like, you know, we're living our lives and we're like wearing bikinis, which is very important. But like a lot of the tools I'm giving them are highly intellectual. And I think for me, it's like weed is kind of the like the partner to the intellectual side of it. Right. Because I'm like you can de-inhibit and do things that maybe you were afraid to do or incapable of doing um, completely like in your totally sober state um, that that you can t- that you have complete freedom and liberty to do when you're high. Um, and so I saw it as like a perfect, again, a perfect marriage um, for the work that I'm doing. Virgie's new book, Flawless, comes out next March. It also addresses questions of empowerment, but is geared at a younger audience. So it really became like this book that was using the lens of weight discrimination and body image um, and attitudes towards girls and women's bodies as a launching pad, but became very much about this greater existential reality that I think girls are facing, which is like that they're coming of age into a culture that doesn't have a framework to help them thrive. And so this book is is like an offering and trying to um, create a different vision and like encourage a new generation of vision uh, among girls of color. My chat with Virgie opened my eyes to how narrow-minded my own views of health have been and helped me reframe what it means to be a healthy person. For Virgie, myself, and maybe you too, cannabis can be a piece of that puzzle. For more information about Virgie and her work and to check out her upcoming events, including Camp Thunderthighs and her online course Babe Camp, head on over to virgitovar.com. We hope you'll join us next week on The Hash when David wraps up our first season on Leafly with a deeply personal chat with Puffco CEO Roger Volodarsky. For The Hash, I'm Max Savage-Levinson. Thanks for listening.